One of, one of my problems, one of my many problems, is I'm already in my mind excited about what I'm preaching about next week. And so it's, it's hard when you have ADD to, to focus. So today's message is going to be awesome. I forgot to tell the last service this. But if, you, if you're the type of person that you feel like you struggle with the same thing over and over and over and over again and you just can't seem to beat it, don't miss next week. It's going to be amazing. All right, so let me get to this week. I just had to say that. I just had to get that out. Every one of us in this room probably, probably loves music, some style of music. It doesn't matter. We probably love different types of music, but most of us love music. I'm a music lover. I love, um, I love the blues. Uh, I love country, uh, modern country, and I love classic country. And if you don't know who Merle Haggard is, you don't know classic country, but I love classic country. I love rock, I love hair metal, I love 80s hair metal, I love hip-hop, I love all, I love Christian, I I love all styles of music. In music, all of us would have to admit that music affects our mood, right? Music, in fact, some of you um, are here because of mood music. That's how you got here. Somebody started playing a song and your mom, anyway, so, so that's music affects everything. And I don't know about you, but for me, I, I just, if I'm working out, I work out better when there's music, like really good, solid, driving, usually hip-hop music. I mean, that's how I love it. But back in the day when I first started working out, and when I say working out, my buddy had a like weight set in his carport. We didn't have, the only way we had to listen to music was, was, it was called a jam box. And we would take the jam box and, and listen to a radio station, but, but. Eventually, something came along for introverts like me, because when I work out, listen, listen, when I work out, I don't want to talk to you. I don't. I love you. You've got to pray. But I, I've literally had people in the gym, can I talk to you for a minute? No. And I put my thing, I just kind of keep going. I'm not being mean. It's just, I know I'm not perfect. Um, <laughs> trust me. And there's way worse things. Google my name. But, but for introverts like me, to settle the problem of listening to music while you work out, years and years and years ago, there, there was an invention, and it changed everything. It was one of these, Sony Walkman. Now, I'm kind of curious, how many of you owned one of these, okay? Wow, a lot of old people here. Okay, that's great. No, no, I'm saying if you own one of these, my hand's up. We're old, all right? But do you remember when if you had one of those... You had status. You were somebody. If you walked in the gym with a, oh, man, that, that girl, that guy's serious about what they're doing. Remember that? I had the orange ear pads on the headphones. Y'all remember that? And, and this, I, I can remember getting my Rocky Four soundtrack. Y'all remember Rocky Four when we went and beat up the Russian? It was amazing. Um, and, and I would listen to my Rocky Four soundtrack while I worked out. And it was, because you couldn't just listen to any song you wanted you, unless you made a mixtape, which that's a whole other message. But it was awesome. And, and in fact, if you had that right there, you had, the, the, this was the best that the world had to offer as far as listening to music until CDs came out. And you can't stick a CD in that thing. Now, some of you don't remember when CDs came out, but there was this thing called a CD, and it came out, and it changed the music industry. And so we had to move from this to this. And so if you had this, you had status. If you had this, you were out of date. 
because at one time this was like the top of the line, but, it, but if you had this, people that had this would judge you. Oh, you got a funk man. <laughs> I got a CD player. But remember, when the first ones came out, they sucked. You know why? You remember why? They skipped, right? You're running, right? And you're like, dun, 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 dun. And so, but they fixed that. And, and so, so for this, once again, it was a status thing. Now, they were big and bulky. Y'all remember you, they had the thing where you could put it on your hip? And like when you walked out of the gym, you had a limp because you'd been carrying this thing with you. But then I remember having this thing until a guy told me, he said, dude, there's this new thing out. You're not going to, you won't believe it. It's called, it's called an iPod. And it can hold a thousand songs. And at the time we were like, no way. I had a buddy that literally like put, put a thousand songs on it just because he was that guy. He was so skeptical. But if you had one of these, now when I say one of these, I'm talking about the wheel. You had to like work the wheel and stuff like that. This was the best that the world had to offer. And if you had a CD player or a Walkman, you were so far behind. But today, if you have one of these, it's because you're a collector. You don't have one of these because it's the, the best the world has to offer. Well, after the iPod came the iPhone. Now, I know some of you have droids and you need Jesus, but like the, the, like the iPhone, when it first came out, this is how we started consuming music. And since the iPhone has been out, I read the other day in an article, the best I, can, the best I could find, there's been 29 different versions of the iPhone. In other words, you get something and you have it for a while, but then the world comes out with something better. And you get something and you have it for a while and the world comes out with something better. And you get something and you have it for a while and the world comes out. And eventually, can we all agree that at some point that what we have at one time was awesome, but today maybe it's just not enough? Like the car you bought was awesome until you saw the next year model. The house you bought was amazing. Till you went to your friend's house. The TV that you got was awesome. Till you saw your friend's TV. It, it just seems like no matter what this world gives us, it's never enough. The same thing is true if you try to walk with Christ. Do you ever feel like you, you have given God your best shot, but you seem to keep falling short? And you don't feel short, you don't fall short because of the way he makes you feel, you fall short because of the way that other people make you feel. Because there's always somebody more godlier than you. If you don't believe me, just ask a few people. They'll tell you they're much godlier than you, right? And so today I wanted to dive in to the person who may be here today who you just feel like you, you never have enough when it comes to this world. Even when it comes to Christianity, you can never do enough, you can never be enough, you can never have enough. And we're going to talk about a guy that if you're from a Bible background, if you, if you know anything about church, you've heard sermons on this guy. We call him the rich young ruler. And we're going to talk about him out of the gospel of Mark. This is what Mark said. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Now, this guy was putting on a show. You ever met anybody just putting on a show? You ever met anybody just did something 
and, and, they, and they did it. They, I just asked this question. It's way easier. Ladies, be honest with me. How many of you this morning, this morning, did some work on your eyelashes or your eyebrows? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Eyelashes, eyebrows. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. No, no I'm just telling you, you know the reason you do that, don't you? It's for other women. <laughs> women do their eyelashes for, and eyebrows for other women. You know why? Because men don't notice. I have never met a man, hey man, so uh, how'd y'all get together? Dude, she walked by and those eyebrows, mm. <laughs> gotta get to know that girl. I I'll be honest with you, we, we don't notice. Now we would notice if one was missing, like if you were missing an eyebrow, we'd be like, did a caterpillar go to sleep on your face? Like, what is that right there? But, but, but I'm just saying, I, listen, and I'm not telling you not to do it. Please do it. But you do it so other girls will go, oh, my gosh, your eyebrows are cute. Like, that's the reason you do it. That we, it's, called, it's called just put on a show. And we do it in all different ways, shapes, forms. In fact, this guy right here, he's putting on a show. He's running up to Jesus. He's falling on his knees. He's saying the right things. Do you know that we can come to church and put on a show? Let's just talk about hand raising for a second in church. Now, I'm not against it. Now, I came up in a Baptist church. Or actually, let's go way back to Wesleyan. Nobody raised their hand. Ever. Then I went to Baptist. And every once in a while, you had, you had the girl in the choir doing this right here. And then I went to a charismatic church, and that just went nuts. I mean, it was, crazy. it was like crazy. It was like those blow-up bouncy dolls that you see outside of businesses and stuff. I mean, I did that in church before, right? But... But do you know somebody, sometimes we can put on a show. Sometimes people can, can raise their, and, and listen, if you're a hand raiser, praise God. But do you know sometimes people can raise their hands, but it's, their heart's not connected. It's an, it's an outward demonstration, but there is no inward connection. And then sometimes we judge people that don't raise their hands, but they're not raising their hands, but they're so connected to Jesus in that moment that we can't even, you never know what's going on by just looking at a person's external circumstances. And so, so this guy, from on the surface level, he's got it together. He runs up to Jesus. He knelt down, which we're going to see is not actually worship, it's respect, but he's, he's putting on a show, and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which is a crazy question. Because he was rich. And in that society, if you were rich, it's because you were blessed by God. So everybody looked at him and thought, he's got it. Like, his life is all together. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing missing. And then we see him asking God, asking Jesus, what am I supposed to do? In other words, something's missing in my life. I've got all this stuff, but it's just not enough. So Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. This is Jesus basically saying, you trying to call me God? And he just kind of leaves it alone and he moves on and he says this. Now watch, watch this because this is fascinating. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. 
When Jesus said, now you know the commandments, his mind automatically went to Moses going up on a mountain meeting with God. In that original meeting, this is not a trick question, how many commands did God give Moses? How many commands? Ten, yes, gave him ten. There were ten commandments. Ten. How many commandments were there? Okay, the reason that that's fascinating is because Jesus said, you know the commandments, and he starts listening to the commandments, and the problem is Jesus didn't list ten. He listed six. So if the man's like got his little commandment notepad right there, he's like, yep, 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 yep. Uh, he left out a few. In fact, Jesus left out four. And what's interesting, if you look at the Ten Commandments, is the first four have to do with our relationship with God. The last six have to do with our relationship with other people. And so what Jesus is communicating here is something that I needed to hear a lot this week. I'm sure it's something that we all need to hear, is that love other people thing, Jesus is pretty serious about it. And you know the reason we need to keep hearing that message over and over again? <laughs> is because some people are hard to love. Now, if you're right now, if you're sitting there thinking, I can't think of anybody in my life that's hard to love, it's because everybody in your life's thinking about you. That's, that's, that's how that works. It's, that's just how it happens. Like for me, there's a, I won't call the name of the grocery store, um, but there's a particular grocery store that I go to, and I only go to it because um, it's a little bit more convenient than the other ones. But there's this, there's this lady, there's this lady and every time I have to go through her checkout line, and her checkout line usually has nobody in it because, because she's hard to love. Um, because, like, there can be like 17 people, and, and, and her line is open. And every time I go up, she's like, hello, mister, do you have your such and such card? And you know how you, every, every store is trying to get you to get the card? Like it, it started with, with CVS. You got the CVS card, and then you got the Bilo card, then you got the Ingalls card. And before you knew it, your keychain had all these things. You had more little things on your keychain, and you did keys, and you pulled it out of your pocket, and you fell down. And, and so I just don't get anybody's card. I just don't get it. Do you know you can save money? You know what I can save? Time. Stop talking to me about the card. Ring me up, woman. Um, that's, that's what I'm trying to save right now. So I go through the line the other day, and she looked at me, and she said, you got your card yet? I said, I said, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. When you going to get that done? When you going to see a plastic surgeon? I, I didn't say that. I thought it in my mind, okay? I'm just saying. I'm just, I, I, I'm, some people are hard to love. Some people are hard to love. And so, so Jesus right here is saying that, that you've you got to love other people. Jesus is telling this young man, he's like, listen, you want to make sure that you've got a great life here on earth? Love other people, even the people that aren't like you. This is where it gets a little bit crazy because he said, teacher, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. <laughs> Let's just pause for a minute. I read in a book not too long ago that self-awareness is one of the greatest gifts a person can have. Have you ever met a person that's completely unaware? Of, like I, 
like, like we, we've all know people that lack self-awareness. Self-awareness, um, though, causes us to do certain things. Like self-awareness is when you get done eating a salad, you check your teeth, right? Because you don't want like a piece of spinach doing one of these right here while you're talking to people. When you go to the bathroom and you're a guy, you check to make sure your zipper's up 787 times before you walk out because you don't want to be that guy walking around going, how y'all doing? And, and like, that's just weird, right? Self-awareness is a gift. That, and self-awareness in the church is so necessary to have self-awareness because, listen, if we don't have self-awareness, we will be self-righteous. Self-awareness helps us understand that all of us need the amazing grace of God. Self-righteousness causes us to think that grace is for other people. I just don't need it. And that's where this guy was. He said, I've, I've obeyed all these. I, I am. God, if you got a top ten list, I'm, the, I'm top, top three. Because I've obeyed all these commands since I was young. Now, let me ask you a question. Had he obeyed all these commands, yes or no? no. Neither have we. We've broken all of them. Some of you are like, I don't know about all. Okay, well, let's go through them. Can we do that? You must not murder. Now, that one's pretty easy. In fact, you could probably sit there and go, okay, well, <laughs> I hadn't done that. But Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that if you have had hatred in your heart toward another person, it's the same as murder. You ever had Hatred in your heart toward another person? I have. Man, I've been mad at people before. Traffic, checkout lines, when we had the gas shortage a month and a half ago, where Anderson made national news because the lady was putting gas in plastic bags. can't make this up. I had friends calling me from Oklahoma. Hey, man, I saw about you. Yeah, I was like, that's us. That's Anderson. We're awesome. We love God help us. Must not murder. Uh, what's the next one? Oh, yeah, you must not commit adultery. Now, you know if you've done that one or not. It's not hard to figure out, right? I mean, you weren't like walking down the street with somebody the opposite sex, trip, trip, fell down. We just tripped and fell down and had sex on the way. Don't know how that happened. No, no, no. You either, you've either done this or not. You said, don't do it. And some people are like, well, I didn't actually committed adultery. Let's talk about porn for a second. Did, did it just got quiet in here? For those of y'all watching online, you could have heard a rat fart in this place when I said that because it got quiet. It's, it's tough. You, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that you shouldn't even look at a woman lustfully. Men, is that difficult? Yes or no? Yes. Last service left me standing up here by myself. I was like, it's difficult, isn't it? And all the men were like, mm. <laughs> no, baby, I only have eyes for you. Got to watch. You, I've heard the term bounce your eyes. It's difficult. True story. I was flying to South Dakota to preach at a men's conference on 
purity and holiness or something like that. That was my subject. Purity, I, I was just, I'm, I'm, so I'm going to South Dakota. Now, there's only like 17 men in South Dakota, but I was going over there to talk to all of them about purity and holiness. And I caught a flight out of Greenville. You had to fly from Greenville to Dallas and Dallas to South Dakota. So I was in Dallas for my connecting flight, and I was walking down a little terminal, and she walked around. I've never, she walked around the corner. And I broke that command with my eyes. Couldn't help it because she had had some um, (laughs) surgery. (laughs) And it wasn't normal surgery. She looked like she had two infants in a headlock. That's the, I mean, she had that kind of surgery. Unbuttoned down to here. No bra. And some people are like, that's that second look that'll get you. Uh uh-uh, uh, because I didn't stop looking the first time. <laughs> she walked by and I was like, hey, man. Then I got to go get on a plane and fly to South Dakota and think about purity. And I said, oh, God. I, I did. I just confessed it to the men when I got there. It's like, y'all, I just messed up. I, like, I'm, just, I'm just telling y'all, we all struggle. We all struggle. So, so he had probably broken that one. What's the next one? It's. Uh, you must not steal. Some of y'all sitting there going, ah, I got that one. Really? How many second chance pins you got at your house? <laughs> Bunch of thieves. Uh, you shall not testify falsely. In other words, don't lie. So let's just say that I put a table up right here at the end of the service, put a table and a scale, table and a scale, and you brought me your driver's license. And I made the deal, I'll give you $1,000 if what's on the driver's license matches what's on the scale. I'd walk away not owing anybody anything because all of us lied. I would love to have that job at the DMV. What's your weight? (laughs) I lied too. My my weight isn't right on my driver's license. Um, uh, You must not cheat anyone. And in in the original 10, this one said you should not covet. You shouldn't look at something and, and like you shouldn't. It says don't covet your neighbor's house or your their car or whatever. So that's, we've done that. And then last but not least, and listen, we all screwed this one up. Honor your father and mother. Anybody ever dishonor? Your, so, so this is all I'm saying. He said, all these I have kept. He lied to Jesus. He had broken, can we all admit that he had broken all these? Yes or no? And so have we. We're all guilty. Now, you would expect Jesus, if he was religious, to be like, really? Really, Fred? Let's say his name's Fred. Really, Fred? Fred, really? Because I can go through and tell you all this stuff. But Jesus doesn't do that. Watch how Jesus approaches him, because this is fascinating. Jesus, looking at the man... Verse 21, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Now, 
this isn't the whole verse, but I wanted to section this verse out just to show that this right here, anytime Jesus is going to speak to us, he's going to speak to us from the place of love. The reason I can trust what Jesus wants to say to me is because he's saying it out of love. He's saying it out of compassion, not condemnation. When Jesus speaks to us, he speaks always the truth, but he always speaks the truth in love. Love is the primary motivator for the word of God being spoken into our lives. That's why we can trust Jesus because if he says you are if he says we need to change something, the reason he wants us to change it is because he loves us and he know what he knows what's best for us. And so that's the reason I can trust, that's the reason we can trust God's word is because the motivation for his word is love. And so Jesus looked at this man who had broken every command, who was cocky, who was arrogant, who was putting on a show, and, and the Bible said he loved him. Then he said this, there is still one thing you haven't done. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you really think that there was only one thing that the guy had never done? Yes or no? Okay, well, then we got a problem. Because is Jesus lying about it? Because Jesus wouldn't lie. Why would Jesus... Say there's one thing you haven't done when there's more than one thing that he hasn't done. Well, it's real simple. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but it's in the text again, so I'll just bring it up again. It's because Jesus deals with us one issue at a time. If Jesus dropped everything on us that needed to change in one moment, we would walk away. Jesus said, we're going to deal with this, then we're going to deal with this, and then we're going to deal with this. And the beautiful thing is Jesus deals with us one issue at a time. The tough part is if Jesus says we need to deal with this and we don't deal with it, but we keep asking him about this, he's like, uh-uh. We're not going to deal with the next until we deal with the now. And the reason so many of us get stuck in our relationship with Jesus is because he's like, we need to deal with this. And we want to look at that. So he tells the guy, there's one thing that you lack. And I'm sure the guy's ready. And then he drops this bomb on him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Now, let me kind of address something really quick because this verse has been misquoted so many times. It's been misquoted by either broke people or college students. And usually broke people are college students and college students are broke people. And, and they use these verses to go after, quote, the rich. And they're like, if you're rich, then you're ungodly and you need to sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then go follow Jesus, okay? Okay. I just want to point out, I just want to point out that, that Jesus is telling this to one person, not multitudes of people. I also want to point out, just while we're on it, 
that if you make, if you or you and your spouse make a combined income of $50,000 or more, you're in the top 1.5% of wage earners in the world. So before you start talking about the rich, understand that to, to the world, to the rest of the world, you're the rich. Let me put it another way that'll be so much fun. If you woke up today or any point this week and one of your top concerns was climate change, you're rich. You know how I know that? Because the people that woke up in Afghanistan today didn't think about climate change. The people that woke up in India today weren't thinking about climate change. And before you hit me with all your climate change emails, I had a lady come after me one time. She was totally upset that I'd mentioned it. And she asked me, didn't you see the movie The Day After Tomorrow, What Could Happen? I was like, um, that was a, a movie? It's fiction. Didn't happen. She's like, no, 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 that could happen. Didn't that movie concern you? And I'm like, well, if we're going to go that route, no, I wasn't concerned. I was more concerned with Luke Skywalker being able to blow up the Death Star because if that, if that doesn't happen, Darth Vader is going to rule us all. Like that. And so anyway, we're not friends anymore. But all, I, all I'm trying to say is that's not what Jesus was talking about. He, he, Jesus is going after this one thing. See, because this guy had all this, this wealth, he had all the possessions, he had everything that the world told him he needed, but it wasn't enough. That's why he came to Jesus and said, what am I lacking? What, I'm, what am I missing? And Jesus says, well, if you want to get serious, you got to deal with this issue. It's what a friend of mine called one time the second yes. The first yes is easy. The second yes is a little bit more difficult. For example, me getting married to Shannon is a yes. We dated for a while. She is one of the sweetest people on the planet, has the most beautiful heart I've ever met. She's incredibly hot. Like, I like, I like checked all the boxes. So, Mary, do I want to marry Shannon? Yes, easy, easy yes. That was the first yes. Second yes is when my home became our home, and she said, I want to rearrange some things. Because I got my stuff where I like my stuff. I know what's in that drawer, and I know what's in that drawer, and I know what's in that drawer. She said, is, is that okay? Now, that was a tougher yes. About a month later, she said, I want to rearrange things again. Now, after the last one, it took me three days to find Chance, my dog. So I, I was like, <laughs> think, think we're good, don't you? She's like, no, I'm then, then just to let y'all know, Friday, she just did it without asking. She just ran, and I walked it. Now, now, it's always better, but those yeses are more, are more difficult, just like it is with Jesus. The first yes is easy. The yes, the salvation. Would you like to go to heaven when you die? Yep. Sign me up. We are talking at the beginning about churches. We're not doing this, by the way. Um, but uh, this year, Halloween is on a Sunday, which gives us lots of options. Um, but one of the things we will not do is a judgment house. Some of you know, if you, if you may, I got saved in the judgment house. 
you, you probably didn't. And let me, tell you, let me tell you why. A judgment house is when they take you into a room and show you what could happen when you die. And it always includes a demon dragging somebody to hell. And they're screaming. And they got fire. And they show you what hell looks like. And they bring you in the room and say, do you want to go there? Nope. Then pray this prayer. Oh, my. Like, I would pray that prayer. It, like, you literally scare the hell out of children. That's what a judgment house is. We will not do that. We want to, so some of y'all are like, my old church, go be a demon in your old church, all right? I'm, we are not doing, but, but that's an easy yes. Salvation is an easy yes. Do you want to accept Jesus into your life, have the Holy Spirit live inside you, and be guaranteed that you'll go to heaven when you die? Yeah, that, that's an easy yes. Giving my life to Jesus, that's easy. The second yes is when he goes, now let's talk about Talk about how you're going to act on the weekends. Let's talk about your money. Let's talk about that thing that you don't want anybody to find out about. It's that yes. It's that yes where it gets serious. And it's that yes where we get stuck because just as somebody that's dealt with it before, let me go ahead and tell you that, that whatever Jesus has planned is better than anything we hold on to because listen if we hold on to it it'll be good enough in the moment but it'll never be enough and the reason Jesus comes after things in our life is because he knows what satisfies us now in the moment eventually will let us down and he loves us too much to let us sell our life out to things that will ultimately be meaningless one day so 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 this is Jesus inviting this man into an epic life. Jesus said, you got this one thing. And if you'll follow me, I'll take care of you. And the next verse, in my opinion, is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. He said no to the second yes. I can't give up what I want most for what I'm holding in the moment. Now here's what's crazy. Jesus pretty much issued this invitation, not just this time, but several times in the scriptures. When Peter and Andrew caught this record catch of fish, Jesus said, hey, why don't you leave everything and follow me? Most people don't understand. They were business owners. They, they had a thriving business. And they said no to the world and yes to Jesus and followed, followed Jesus. Did Peter and Andrew have epic lives? Yes. They got a front row seat to the miracles. They got a front row seat to the crucifixion. They got a front row seat to the resurrection. And we talk about them 2,000 years later because they said yes to Jesus. He goes down the shore a little further, James and John. They had a fishing business as well, a thriving fishing business. Jesus said, follow me. They laid everything down and walked away and, and followed Jesus. Did they step into an epic life? Absolutely. We still talk about James and John till this day. And 2,000 years ago, they lived in an obscure fishing village off of the Sea of Galilee. And today, parents named their kids after these men. Matthew was a tax collector. 
Jesus walks up to him and says, why don't you follow me? And, and Matthew eventually leaves everything and follows Jesus. Does he have an epic life? Yes or no? Yes, he has an epic life because he said, you know what? I've got everything this world has to offer. It's not making me happy. It's not enough. Jesus, I think you're enough. I'll leave this behind to follow you. And he was always taken care of. He was always provided for. And he never looked back because Jesus is enough. Five years ago today, five years ago today, I got on a plane in Tucson, Arizona. I just finished 30 days of rehab. I'd been diagnosed with PTSD. I'd been treated. It was absolutely unreal. And when I was in rehab, God and I did a lot of talking. And people have asked me before, did you ever consider turning your back on Jesus? Never, not one time, ever. Jesus, you're a king. Jesus, you're a Lord. He was always Lord of my life. But, but just to go ahead and let y'all know, I was done with church. I was done. I didn't want anything to do with it. If you've ever experienced church hurt, you know, you know how that feels. I flew back to Anderson and eventually started a business, a for-profit business. You know what's cool about having a for-profit business? Nobody gets in your business. Nobody cares about, did you fly first class? Nobody cares about how much money you, and I made money, I made, I made great money. But then God started talking to me and I wouldn't tell people about doing church again. I was like, God, you, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong man. When I tell you God and I fought for months over getting this thing started, we fought for months. And I wish I could tell you that I just went into it going, yes, Jesus, have your way, Lord. I love you. This is awesome. My prayer of surrender was more like, fine. Have it your way. And in the moment, in the moment, I never imagined any of this, any of this was possible. But see, Jesus, when he asks us to do something, is because he loves us and he wants more for us than we could imagine. Even if we feel like we're so broken, we can't ever stand up again. Jesus still loves us enough to say, I've got a plan for your life, and I'm an example of that. I'm just telling somebody in this room, you're not too screwed up or messed up to get up and step up to the call that he's placed on your life today. Because this world, anything you're holding on to, that you're loving, or that you're caring for more than Jesus, it's not enough. And even though it may bring you so much satisfaction right now, one day it's going to be a Sony Walkman completely irrelevant nothing that this world has to offer will ever be enough but Jesus will always be enough so father as we pause to reflect right now I want to thank you Jesus that you're enough
Jesus, I want to thank you for not giving up on people, even when we've given up on you. Father, I want to thank you that you love us as we are and that everything you speak to us is spoken from a heart of love. I want to pray for every single person in this room, every single person watching online right now, Jesus, that we would say that second yes. That whatever that thing is that you're asking us to give up or whatever that thing is that you're asking us to let go of, we would understand, Jesus, the reason that you want us to let go of it is because you have so much more in store. And may we understand that no matter how incredible the world seems to be and how much the world has to seem to offer, it's never enough. May we reflect on that over these next few moments together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we stand for prayer? Jesus, thank you for this reminder that nothing this world has to offer will ever be enough. When heads bowed and eyes closed right now, make your, where you stand, your personal altar. What is that second yes you need to say to Jesus? What's that thing that he's been saying? We need to deal with this. You need to confess this. You need to ask for help with this. You need to surrender this. If he spoke to you in this message, why don't you just take a second and speak back to him? Say that second yes. Maybe you can't say the second yes because you've never said the first yes. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You've never asked him to be your savior. And you know you need to do that today. You need to give your life to Christ today. If that's you and you know that you need to give your life to Christ, then right where you stand, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. I just want you to pray, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over and be my Lord. The heads bowed and eyes closed right now all across the room. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just said yes to Jesus for the first time, would you do me a favor and shoot your hand up in the air just straight up because I wanna pray for you? Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else just straight up in the air? Father, I want to thank you for the hands that have gone up in the air today in this service and in the last service and the ones online. Father, I want to thank you that you're changing lives. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are enough, that no matter what this world has to offer, Jesus, you are more. You are not just more. You are immeasurably more. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you call us into a life that is so much more than we could ever ask for or imagine, that your thoughts are greater than our thoughts and your ways are greater than our ways. So may we walk out of this place, God, in a posture of surrender saying, yes, Lord, yes again, yes again, yes again. Have your way because your way is greater and you are stronger. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Everybody that agreed said amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Me too. I hope you guys have a phenomenal week. We'll see y'all back here next Sunday.